0: But Kevin Barrett, uh, you know, in addition to what uh, Hezbollah has done and uh, our correspondent just explained part of the recent ones, we also have the Yemeni armed forces. Now today they seized the ship and they said that they're going to hit all the ships owned or operated by Israel. And we had also uh, Iraqi resistance fighters also hitting some U.S. bases in Syria. Uh, So uh, how effective could this be in this a brutal war that the Israeli forces are uh, waging against the uh, people in Gaza. And how effective could that be? And uh, hopefully, do you uh, believe that uh, the continuation of such reprisal attacks would be a game-changer in the near future?
1: Well, I think that these reprisal attacks are putting pressure on Israel's paymasters and sponsors in the West to basically order Netanyahu to stop this insane slaughter of civilians with you know, no military advantage. Uh, the Zionists, uh, after having been defeated on October 7th with what uh, Scott Ritter has called the most successful military raid in history, uh, have been taking out their frustration on the innocent civilians of Gaza. You know, two-thirds of these 12,000-plus people killed have been women and children. And then we have another 10,000-plus 10, 10, injuries, uh, severe injuries. These ordinary people in Gaza are being slaughtered by the Zionists uh, due to their own military ineptitude. And we just heard about how they fire so randomly into Lebanon, again, a sign that this notion that the Zionist military is so capable and competent. Is really a public relations facade that has been manufactured by the Zionist-owned Western media, and that's been their last line of defense uh, for so many years. This notion that they're invincible, and that's one of the reasons they've been able to intimidate the regional countries, or many of them anyway, into backing off and uh, so-called normalizing, which I would call abnormalizing, uh, and. Currently, uh, so many regional countries are afraid to cut relations with the madmen in Tel Aviv for fear of this military power. But what do the Israelis really have? They have the ability to kill lots of civilians. They're very good at murdering children for sport with sniper fire. They're very good at dropping bombs and white phosphorus on civilian hospitals and houses and so on. But when they get into a stand-up fight with people who are vastly less well-armed than they are as happened on october 7th they get beaten and they get beaten badly Uh, and they were driven out of lebanon in 2006 and they would be again if it happened again so they depend totally on the west for public relations support the pr machine has to say that they're invincible and then they get all this money and, and weaponry from the west as well but that means that the western countries have a say and the minute that the biden administration tells netanyahu to stop uh it's over it will be and They won't have put an end to Hamas, uh, as they said they were going to. They won't have accomplished anything other than murdering uh, 12,000-plus civilians. And so these reprisal attacks are calibrated at a level that's going to be putting more and more pressure on the Americans to pressure the Israelis to give up. And once they give up, it's going to be seen as a historic defeat, just as October 7th itself was.
0: Uh, Hopefully. And, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, we had the Yemeni Armed Forces uh, announcing that they have intercepted uh, this ship that was uh, carrying uh, some military hardware uh, destined to some uh, Israeli destinations, actually. And uh, uh, Israelis uh, have uh, come up and come out and just uh, responded by saying that what the Yemenis are doing is actually endangering international maritime. Security and let's see who's speaking about security and endangering it. And that also, they said that they, they made hints that uh, Iran playing a role in this. Let's have your comments regarding these issues, too.
1: Well, the Israelis who murdered uh, all of those civilians on the Marvi Marmara, the essentially unarmed uh, ship bringing uh, just humanitarian aid to try to help the people of Gaza, they're the they're the last ones who ever should be allowed to talk about endangering the safety of the seas and so on. Uh, and indeed, you know they they forfeited their right to have their uh, marine commerce uh, respected when they started attacking people. They've been attacking all sorts of ships over the years. They started this sort of tit for tat war with the Axis of Resistance in which very you know, various attacks on shipping of both sides have occurred. And today the most important thing that could be done to support the people of Gaza right now would be if Turkey or some other power that might be in a position to do that would send humanitarian aid to Gaza, uh, protected by its navy, and announce that this genocide is no longer acceptable. We're invoking the Genocide Convention under international law, and we're bringing in aid to keep these people alive with food and water. And Israel, if you try to stop us militarily, uh, we're going to be at war. And again, I think the Israelis might have to back down if that were coordinated uh, with some other regional countries. But they might not. They might do what they did when they slaughtered people on the Mavi Marmara. Because mm-hmm. again, the Israelis have no respect whatsoever for uh, for the shipping of any countries that they feel like they want to pick a fight with. So now they're getting their ju- just desserts. Their karma is coming back at them. Uh, and they're going to be suffering some, mm-hmm. uh, I think, an upswing in these attacks on their shipping, and they deserve it.
0: Right. Now, now Kevin, allow me to go back to Mariam Saleh in Beirut. Uh, uh, Mariam, uh, tell us if uh, any more journalists uh, have lost their lives in this exchange of uh, fire and missiles mm-hmm. between Hezbollah and other fighters from inside the Lebanese soil and the operations they are uh, waging against the Israeli forces on the other side any any civilians uh, uh, from the Lebanese side
2: well fortunately we don't have uh, we didn't have a targeting um, or anyone martyred as a result of the Israeli shellings but we did have direct targeting of journalists uh, just recently in the area yeah. of Yaron actually a very big convoy of journalists that were there to film one of the houses that was destroyed uh, just recently, the day before. And we're talking about local televisions, international televisions, all there to film. And suddenly they were attacked by um, uh, shelling from a drone uh, from an Israeli UAV. As we know, uh, that hit the house again, right next to them. And it seemed to be um, maybe an Israeli mm-hmm. message, as some are saying, trying to intimidate the journalists from uh, going to cover the stories in that area. Now, after the first attack, uh, most of the journalists went, uh, were covering live what was happening right behind them. And then another uh, a bomb hit as well, right behind them. And luckily enough, Uh, many of them did not uh, did not sustain any severe wounds they were all okay uh, which is of course uh, something that is fortunate but uh, all of them could have been murdered right there uh, in that very moment Um, but the Israelis I think uh, as some experts are saying some fearful of a Hezbollah retaliation first time of course Hezbollah retaliated with the continuous operations of course the launch several rockets after one uh, sold one journalist was killed, and uh, the journalist, although he was working for an international uh, agency, he was a Lebanese citizen from South Lebanon specifically, and they all, um, the leaders of Hezbollah, maintained uh, the right to respond and retaliate for his killing, and they did, and they believe that all these operations are in part in retaliation for the killing of a journalist and the killing of the three. Also, civilians that were killed, four, excuse me, we know that three young girls um, were were killed, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, and 14-year-old, along with their grandmothers. So here we are talking once more about the killing of children and the elderly together, um, very much reminiscent of everything that the Israelis have committed in Lebanon and they continue to commit now in Palestine. But of course, what we're witnessing inside Gaza right now is unprecedented. This is not, um, though it's not new, we are used to um, Israeli massacres. And despite the fact that the Israelis continue to threaten Lebanon on a daily basis, and say that they would launch an aggression and trying to show us that what happens in Gaza, you will suffer as the people of Gaza are suffering. This does not work with the Lebanese people uh, since we have had decades of continuous aggressions, continuous massacres. Um, We are the generations who lived it, and even the generations who are younger generations are seeing what's happening in Gaza. It doesn't seem something that is fearful to them. It is to them something that would, would make them even more resentful of the U.S. policies towards the region, and the, at the end of the day, going more towards animosity, for uh, blaming the United States, blaming those so-called democracies of the world, the, the 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 Western world, which is supportive of Israel, pumping it with weapons, with money, with funding, all that is something that the Lebanese people, the youth, who even those who did not live wars, can see, obviously. Is an injustice. It's a huge, huge injustice. And they will be working on it uh, later on to basically uh, show their support for the Palestinian resistance. And here we can clearly see how support for the resistance in the Arab world and in the Muslim world is growing And despite the fact that it is still among the populace. You don't have the leaders um, giving all their full support for the armed resistance. But we do have it growing somewhat. What people are waiting to see mm-hmm. is can the population impact on their leaders and change their uh, decision-making, even in the Western world. Can there be a change? There has been somewhat of a change, but people are looking and waiting for more, whether in Lebanon or in Palestine.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for that. Maryam Saleh, our correspondent in Beirut. Kevin Barrett, editor of the Veterans Today in Saidiya, Morocco.